0: Today's episode is brought to you by The Skin Store. For over 20 years, The Skin Store has been the number one destination for premium skincare, hair care, and beauty products. With over 8,000 different products from 300 different brands, The Skin Store has you covered for all your hair, cosmetics, supplements, and of course, skincare needs. Find your favorite products like Elta MD, New Face, Olaplex, and more all in one place with gifts with every purchase. Right now, the Skin Store is offering our listeners 20% off your next purchase by using the code POD, that's code P-O-D, for 20% off your next purchase at skinstore.com forward slash pod dot list. Skin Store, have the confidence to tackle the day ahead. Exclusions apply. Like they're cloud Have you been in quarantine? Are you ready to enter the wild again? There's a chance no one has seen your coconuts in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with hairy coconuts. Would you show up to the first day of school without a haircut? Nope. Manscaped is here to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of the ceramic blade and advanced skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced by preparing yourself for a post-quarantine life. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 essential kit. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, waterproof cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with Manscaped Crop Preserver Deodorant and Crop Reviver Toner. The Crop Preserver is anti-chafing deodorant, which ensures your afternoon stroll through the jungle doesn't result in sticky coconuts. The Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner and made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts to give your coconuts a special boost. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower 3.0 delivered to your door every three months making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean. The light is at the end of the tunnel, fellas. Treat yourself for making it through the quarantine and welcome back to the jungle with a perfect package 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code SLOPDROP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com when you use SLOPDROP, S-L-O-P, D-R-O-P. Your first post-quarantine date will thank you.
1: That's just a slop drop. I can answer that. That's a slop drop. What
2: is that move? That's a slop drop. Slop drop time. That's a slop drop. That's a slop drop. a slop drop. Slop drop. Slop drop. drop. The slop drop indeed.
0: What's up, humanoids? Welcome back to the slop drop. I'm Nathan Rogers at Sumo on Twitter. Tonight, I'm joined by the unluckiest man on planet Earth, Diamond David Lee the manager of champion Steven E, the voice of the Twin Lake Sports Network, David McBee, and former WLW champion, former three-time WWE tag champion, and your current NWA national champion, Mr. Trevor Murdoch. What's up, fellas?
1: What's going on, guys? What's
2: up? What's up? What is up? I'm pretty pumped with this, man. Uh, you know, Trevor Murdoch, he's going to bring the boom to the room. I can already see ratings spike, and is going to be a fun episode tonight, boys. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Boom to the room. I'm stealing that shit. (laughs) Well, Uh, Trevor, some of the uh, newer fans that are just getting to know you through NWA, let's uh, rewind a little bit. Tell us, uh, how long have you been in wrestling?
3: Man, I started wrestling in 1997. I wrestled. I started in um, St. Louis, Missouri with a small company called Central States Wrestling Alliance. Um, actually, uh, Kane, that was where he had his first matches when he got into the business. And and um, like him, I smartened up and realized, man, if I really want to do this, I've got to be trained by somebody that uh, that knows their shit. Um, don't get me wrong, the guys that worked with me and that were on that card, you know, some really talented guys. Uh, it's just, I, I wanted to go to another level. And um, so from there, I ended up getting... I ended up getting a chance to meet Harley Race when he was um, booking his World Legion round before World League.
0: So, how brutal was that uh, when you went to train under Harley? Uh,
3: it um it was it was it was an experience, man. Harley's a, a, a he doesn't take any shit. Um, me and another gentleman matt murphy were the first two students at his school so we were the um uh, we were the guinea pigs we were we were the first guys that that harley was going to put out to the world that you know these are my guys we you know we, we had the harley race stamp so he he made it tough man um there was at least an hour of calisthenics before you even stepped into the ring and that wasn't just like every once in a while that was every and day we we're talking you know, up-downs, push-ups, squats, mountain climbers. Um, Harley used to have this referee that started out with him, and he's a former Marine, kind of a squirrely little fella. But he was a former amateur wrestler, cardio. Out, so he could smoke a cigarette and continue to do the exercises with us and Harley's over there sitting in the chair while we're huffing and puffing, smoking another cigarette. And he's laughing because we're all sucking wind and the smallest guy in the room over there is killing us with cardio. Um, but you know, for my first three months, I I puked every single day. And that's, that's not an exaggeration. That's not like, oh, maybe there was two months and, and one week. No, it was for three straight months. Every day I got in that ring, I was running outside puking. Um, and I would have to, after I puked, I'd have to run back in, get a bucket, like a mop bucket of water, pour it on the puke on the street. So someone didn't really, you know, mess, didn't get anybody dirty. And then I have to run back in and catch up on my calisthenics in the ring. And um, it was horrible. I mean, just an outright horrible for, for the longest time because I was putting my body through um, a, a certain amount of pain um and and it was all i was all you know i was i was a kid with baby fat man i was 21 years old um thought i was a tough guy until i met a real one you know and he showed me what it takes to be you know a tough guy uh but what was cool about harley was the fact that even though i puked every day he didn't see that as a sign of weakness he seen that as a sign of of me giving everything i had like i mean you know he I'm, I'm, I'm pushing myself to the point where I'm, I'm getting sick every day. So he knew I was giving him everything I had. As long as I stuck with it, it would work out. And lo and behold, it did.
2: Yeah. Well, Trevor, uh, you know, starting out with Harley Race, I know everyone always asks you about training with Harley Race, but I've always heard some stories. What was it like to ride with Harley Race, driving around? <laughs> I heard some crazy stories.
3: Man, um, as a young guy, everybody wants to ride with Harley you know, and he, at the time, he had a Suburban, and so usually one of the boys would always ride with Harley, um, which if you rode there with him, that means you rode back with him, and that's the fun part, um, because then he, he used to have some beverages on the way back, you know, but, um, you know, Harley, Harley, you, know, you better not have your baby bladder in that day, because it doesn't matter if he's he's going, wherever he's going, he's not Stopping to take a piss. Um, also, too, you don't you don't <laughs> you don't fall asleep in the front seat with Harley. Like we're talking about a guy who had a paw of a hand, and um, I seen a couple guys for me sitting in the back seat that would nod off, and Harley just kind of looked over and he double checked, and we're going eighty <laughs> miles an hour down the road while this is happening, and and this you know his right hand come across and chop the young guy. And, no, you don't <laughs> fall asleep. You know, and, um, and if you were in the back, you were, you were a bartender, you know what I mean, and um, I know, I know it sounds, sounds taboo to talk about drinking and driving um, now, and even then it was too, but that was Harley's, was his lifestyle on the road, you know what I mean, Um, you would see, there there were a couple times we would get pulled over for speeding, because we're going through these small towns, Like the speed limit doesn't exist for Harley, like, and he would get pulled over. And, um, there was never Harley would never get frustrated, never get fired up. He'd just, you know, wait. And the guy would, I need your license to register. Are you Harley Race? (laughs) Yes, I am, (laughs) you know. And then Harley would be like, I'm putting the show on in town, just two blocks over, you know. He'd go whatever into whatever (laughs) spiel. And by the time Harley's done talking to the guy, the guy is such a fan, he's like, just man, just, you know, slow down. Okay. <laughs> just come on, man, slow down. And you're sitting there as a young guy in, in the passenger seat going, how does this happen? Like, how does this work? And uh, <laughs> I remember one specific story was uh, I was lucky enough. I get to ride with Harley. We're headed to a show. I can't remember what town it was, but
2: him and I finally,
3: you know, you get that you get car time with him. So you get to ask him questions and yeah, about stories about, Uh, anything you know and at the time I was just talking to him about heels baby faces wrestling story psychology just picking his brain and he was telling me he goes Trevor when you come into these towns you're my top baby face you've got to be nice to the people when you go into the grocery store you've got to be kind to everybody and he's given me this basically this layout plan of Of how to be a good guy in these towns and represent him and be a good baby face. While he's telling me this, he realizes he's missed his turn. Um, Well, most people would put the brake on, turn at the nearest left turn and make a U-turn and go about their direction. Mm -hmm. Well, Harley, he just, oh shit, and he cuts a hard left, and when he does, he cuts into oncoming traffic Another car is coming, and they just, they hit the horn and just, you know, and Harley sticks that big, fat middle finger out, fuck you. And he continued, and this is all in mid U-turn, guys. Like, this isn't a stop or anything. This is, we're going about 50 down this town, and just a hard spin U-turn left. And in the middle of it, it's the slow motion, fuck you. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> he continues on his way, makes his turn, and we head towards the building. And the whole time, my mouth just like, and I was like, "Well, what, what what's all this shit about you just told me for the last hour and a half about baby facing these people, about being nice <laughs> to these people in the town?" And
1: he goes, "Do as I say, not as I do." I like,
0: oh. All right,
1: <laughs> you know.
0: So, was you a uh, a wrestling fan growing up? If so, did uh, who stood out or, or maybe made an impression on you growing up? And, I, and I'm sure Harley did. But other than Harley, was there anybody out there that really stuck with you growing up? Um, when I was a kid,
3: I, I, at a young age, um, I, was, I grew up in foster homes for a, a majority of my childhood. So the only thing that was common when I would transfer to a different foster home or, or to a different uh, group home there's always wrestling on tv um and my earliest memories are from when my parents were still together my brother waking me up on sundays watching world-class wrestling um with devon erics and i'm talking you know ice all devon erics kevin carey um you got iceman king parsons gentleman chris adams gino uh, gino hernandez I mean, and and for a young guy watching the sportatorium go nuts as soon as the music hits, and these guys walking through and place going crazy, um, but then you have a guy like gentleman Chris Adams that has so much heat with the people that they you've, like, you can instantly feel the heat through the TV. You know what I mean? Um, and for a young guy, you know, young kid that was impressionable to me like that power like that was that was like that's i want to do that you know what i mean i want to be that guy i want to i want to be that superstar um but you never know how to get into it like there's no not like today where you just go on the internet and put wrestling school and a plethora of wrestling schools pop up it it was one of those you know i guess it's called it a pipe dream you know what i mean i want to be a wrestler but i mean i don't know how to fucking do it and i don't know where to fucking go i mean cool but I don't, you know i just i don't know you know um but i've always loved it and when i would go to these i would move to a different ball, or i'd move to a different wrestling was always on tv like that was kind of like my one like one of my one constants you know what i mean and it, it didn't matter where i went there was something wrestling wise on tv and i could find it and i just I don't know. I've just always loved it. Just and there's never been like to your point of or your question of, of one person, like there's never been really one person until I got into the business and, and older and Harley, obviously, like we were talking about. It's the whole thing that that just mesmerizes me. Just the moment that you know people are willing to lay out good money to come to a show with guys that have in a production where you've got lights and smoke, if it's done, you know, if it's done right, guys, you know, and and people are excited to see these people they have never met before. I just, the whole storytelling process, everything about pro wrestling, I love.
2: So kind of tell us a little bit, Trevor, uh, you know, after your training, going through your training with Harley, how did you end up ultimately transitioning to the WWE?
3: Um, I had been
2: if you guys ever followed
3: my career i've never been the most jacked guy um, in the business um i had been uh, wwe had brought me or harley sorry harley had gotten me eight or nine different tryouts at wwe before like when they would come to town um you know we were called locals you know and we would do either we'd have wrestling matches with one another or like one time i don't know if you guys remember um, when Kane still came out in the ambulance was coming out with chains and Bischoff was, was the big heater there. Like we were one of the security guards. I was a security guard to unlock Kane. Um, there were times where, you know, you get up there and nobody ever paid us any attention. And so after a while I started putting my focus towards Japan and I knew that I could go over there. And, and as long as I worked hard in the ring, I didn't have to look like, the jack and cut so uh i ended up convincing harley to get me into the dojo and um side note i got to actually go to japan and wrestle for a three-week tour before i went to the dojo Um, young guy just got beat up the whole tour Um, but big van vader was on on the tour and the whole time you know i'm the i'm the greenhorn he's the vet you know he's telling me he's like you know, these Japanese guys, they hit you, you hit them back hard. You know, maybe even hit them back a little harder. And he'd just been, I mean, legitimate. like he would yell at me sometimes because I even tagged with him on the tour. You know, and he would scream it, hit that motherfucker! And uh, <laughs> what am I going to do? You know, I got Vader over here and I got, all right, I'm going to hit you, buddy. Um, but it was just, he knew that they were testing me um, when they were they were laying it in on me. So the last night of the tour, that's me and Bison Smith against June, Akiyama and Saito and backstory they're pushing Akiyama and Saito for the tag titles on the next tour. And they're going to end up winning. It. So they need a good, strong tag team win to lead into that. So, um, it's me and Bison. We, um, in there with those guys and we start running a couple spots and I get in there with Akiyama, who's a top guy, well-known in Japan, all over, um, We start, he gives me a forearm and it just, he smokes me with it and it's TV. So I know it's going to be a little, uh, you know, you know, it's the red light's on boys. You gotta lay it in, but it not. It hit me so hard. It knocked me into the ropes. So I came in and I gave him one just as hard. Um, and sure enough, that second one was even harder. I mean, it it plum knocked me right back into the ropes and I came in and gave him one just as hard. The third one, damn near knocked me tipsy and it hit me so hard it bounced me into the ropes again but when I did when I came in to give him a forearm I came down and this point right here came across his chin right here and I knew I fucked up boys when even <laughs> the fans the fans I hit him with that forearm his arms went up back and he straight did the nasty plunge and the fans go ooh <laughs> Now I'm on. I'm a greenhorn first tour of Japan. I'm scared now. I'm like holy. I got like we're talking like ten thousand people are around us. I'm, I'm like fuck. What do I do? I look over at bicycle. what do I do? He goes, pick him up. That's you know, so <laughs> right. I pick him up and I put him in a chin lock and I'm just you know I'm working it. And I'm going, please God don't kill me. Please God don't fuck kill me.
1: <laughs>
3: and I'm rubbing his neck, boys, trying to just get him, just blood flowing. Let's get. You know, wake up a little bit and he starts to wake up, he's starting to shake. Now, this isn't a shake of like he's convulsion and he can't stop. No, this is a shake of anger. Ouch. And he starts to shake and shake. And while he's doing it, he's standing up with me. And I end up into a headlock. He spins his body hooks my waist and does a bridge cytosuplex on me and dumps me right on my head to the point where my knees shoot past my head to the mat. Oof. And I've got it on tape, man. He um he, he gets up and he does the drunk stuff because he's still a little bit out of it to the, the tag out. He says something to Saito and Saito comes in and proceeds to kick the shit out of me. <laughs> well, pow, 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 pow. I mean, just just I mean, just whitewash me with kicks, man. And um, yeah, I didn't go back for a year after that. Akiyama was so mad at me that he came into my locker room. And cussed me in English so I knew how angry (laughs) you know around spitting angry Japanese. No, he come in and you motherfucker, like it's amazing (laughs) how English. (laughs) Because he spoke in plain just fine to me in that locker room, (laughs) cussing me up and down. Oh, that's good
1: (laughs) wooden.
3: Let me go to the dojo. (laughs) <laughs> and I had to proceed for the next six months, do 500 squats a day, 300 push-ups a day, 100 to 150 bumps a day, to wrestle four to five 20-minute matches a day, um, oh, and, and 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 a lot of that exercising I still did before shows, because while I was in the dojo, I was a free American to them to a certain extent. They already had me, they didn't have to pay for my hotel or my airfare, because they already had me in the dojo, so they put me on tour. So I was running tours that whole six months as well. So I'd get off tour and then get right back in the dojo doing the exact same shit. Yeah. And that's uh, Japan. Yeah. I, that's where I was going to make my career, fellows. That's where it was going to be. Like that's you know, a thick guy could could have a 20, 30 year career in
1: Japan yeah. while he worked yeah. his ass off. Yeah.
3: So when well, I came
2: was, back,
1: go ahead. Yeah, well, Japan, of course. You know, when you, when I think of Japan. You know, you think of people like Hanson and and just that, Terry, that, Gordy. That, <laughs> Terry Gordy. That that yeah. that brawler style is re- really well respected over there, and 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 it would be a good fit. You could go over there, you make a lot of money over there,
3: have a very long career over there too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that was my plan. You know, um, I got back from the dojo, and uh, I'm home two weeks, and Harley goes, "I got you a WW." We try out. And I've heard that before, you know, and I've gotten excited before. And this time I was like, you know, catering at 250 bucks right on, man. You know, and uh, <laughs> I then that's what it was. You know, they were paying the guy $250 cash at the time. And you got to go to cater, you know, you had some great catering. I'm an indie guy. It wasn't like I was eating great, you know, I was eating <laughs> for nutrition at best. Yeah. Um but also be a fan and be in a locker room and see, you know, I remember when I went there that day, my whole goal that day was to see if I was tall as triple H. I was like, if I was, if I'm as tall as triple H, I can look as big as, you know, so the whole day I'm searching for him. And and if you've ever been a local guy, you end up somehow end up getting caught in a hallway with somebody somewhere. And what what you automatically do, every indie guy does, every young guy does, they'll, they'll immediately put their back up against the wall to get out of the way, their hands down, and they do the whole yes how you doing how you doing trying to be professional you know just glad you're in the same breathing space as some of these guys you know and uh, sure enough i seen triple h coming down the hallway and I, I backed up and stood up straight you know and i walked by and we, he walked by and went you know nose to nose with each other and i was like oh i got you motherfucker oh, okay <laughs> okay I, I, okay if, if I look if I'm as tall as you when I get in the ring I as long as, you know I may not look as jack, but I can look as wide as you do you know what I mean mm-hmm. and I, I just that's the one thing I wanted to accomplish that day um but sure enough I ended up getting a job i uh Chris Benoit was doing squats he the five hundred squats you do in Japan for a workout to kill you he did for a warm up before shows so um I'm out there. I walk out there. and I see him, you know, doing his squats. And I'm like, this is the guy I want to talk to when it comes to Japan. So uh, I slide in the ring. I'm a young guy, flexible as fuck. You know, I've been doing bridging in Japan for the last six months. I can bend like the McDonald's arches boys. (laughs) And uh, so I get in the ring and I start doing some of that and it gets Chris's attention and uh, he comes over and, you know, have you been to Japan and it was just an opportunity for me to lay out my resume and, you know, yeah, I just came back six months. You know, you like, who trained you? Harley Race. you know, I, I just laid it all out. And it ended with, you know, do you have a match tonight? And I said, nope, let me go to the weight right here. And about 10 minutes later, he comes back nonchalantly. He's like, all right, kid, you got a match tonight. They're going to be watching. Good luck. And he turns around and walks away. And and I went from not giving a shit, going, you know, I'm just thankful for the moment to now I've got the attention of people that can make decisions. So I just instantly, like, you had to flip a gear. You're like, oh, shit, like, this is go time. This is the, this is that moment they tell you, be ready at any time, any place, because it could happen at any time. And that That was that moment. That fork in the road, brother. It was right there. And I and I was like, oh, shit. Like, you can't get any better rub than Benoit going, take a look at this guy, you know? Um, So I went and they put me in a match with Rob Conway. I knew he was part of, it was one half of law resistance. Um, I knew my job there and that was to just, I wasn't, um, I wasn't in there to make myself look good. I was in there to make Rob Conway look like a million dollars. And that's what I did. Um, I was there for everything. I got in the back and um, Rob put me over to to Johnny Ace. You know, hey man, this cat can work. He was, you know, he was where he needed to be on everything. He's just, the guy's solid. It didn't hurt me that he knew that I was a Harley race guy. So he trusted me. So he did some more stuff in the ring that he would with a guy he really didn't know. Um, So Johnny invited me back to come back the next night. And that's when they were, that's when they used to tape SmackDown on Tuesdays, but aired it on Thursday or Friday or some sort of shit like that. So um I came in and they they had me wrestle Rene Dupree,
2: the other half
3: of, of La Resistance. And they told Renee, hey, let's I wanna we wanna see Trevor happen. Because the night before I was just there to get my ass to make Rob well tonight i wanted to see what I could do offensive wise. And Rob Conway had called Renee to let him know, yeah, that cat can work. So it kind of helped me in the trust area with Rene. And um, I had a great match. I remember giving Renee Dupree a big shoulder tackle right in the middle of the ring, and he took this big flop big bump and flopped out of the ring and made me look like a million dollars. Excuse me. Um, I got to the back. I was stoked. Um, I had no intentions of getting a job, thinking I would get a job, but at the very least I thought I could get a, a call back. You know what I mean? Whereas before when I did tryouts or, or I had matches in front of them, I never got anything, no inclination, no, Hey, we're going to call you later. Nothing. This, I felt like I was at least going to get a, Hey, we want to bring you back in and take you another look at you, you know? So I'm happy. I'm in the locker room. I'm getting dressed. I just made $500. I'm an indie guy. I just, I made rent guys. That's <laughs> uh, a badass <laughs> catering that, that I stole part of it for my dinner that night on both <laughs> nights because I didn't want, I couldn't afford, you know, I didn't want to spend the money on food. It's just a great weekend. And um, Johnny Ace comes in and uh, he goes, Hey, I want to talk to you when you get done. Come to my office. And like, I had the sinking moment like, oh, there's the bottom. Oh, look, there it dropped out. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like one of those moments of like, couldn't have been, I just immediately thought something went wrong because he had never, never ta- really, you know, he talked to me, hi, how you doing? But never called me in, wanted to talk to me by himself. You know, he's a talent relations guy. I thought I fucked up. I go into his office and he, you know, he asked me, you know, he goes, you know, what are you doing for a job? I was a bartender, asked me a bunch of questions about Japan, talked about Japan a little bit and he goes, well, do you want a job here? And, uh, I couldn't even get the words out of my mouth, boys. I was just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, uh, he goes, okay, you know, I'll send, you know, give me your phone number and address, contract, uh, have your lawyer look at it. Um sign it, and send it back. Fellas, I couldn't I couldn't afford a fucking lawyer, but of course, I'm, yeah, yeah, that's, of course. And mm-hmm. I'm, I ain't gonna joke, I ain't gonna lie, fellas, that contract only made it halfway out the FedEx box. When they send it to you, number one, that contract's like a dictionary. I mean, it's fucking thick. And it has so many pages that they put sign me tabs on it just to make sure you know where to sign. And that, that motherfucker made it like halfway out the box. And I just went to the sign me tabs. And, yep. 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 I wanted to get it back to them. So at the very least, if they got back to Connecticut and they, they realized they made a mistake, i would at least get a 90 day early. Out pay, you, know, pay you know what I mean? My wife's like, why aren't you reading? And I go, I don't want them to think they fucked up. I fuck, but I realize what they've done. I, I'm trying to get a fucking, you know, a couple months ran out of this.
1: Yeah get the, get this post-dated and sent
3: off <laughs> right you know so
0: that was you know that was the beginning so from there how did uh, the pairing between you and lance happen i originally um i'd gotten
3: a call two weeks later um and johnny ace had said you know trevor we you know I, like i said i signed that son of a bitch i sent it back quick and um, as soon as he got it signed it sent me a copy they said, you know, we want you to be down in OVW in four weeks. And again, I'm an indie guy. I have no money to move. I have um, my girlfriend who's, you know, now my wife, been together 18 years at the time. She's my girlfriend. had a little girl. Like, I couldn't just pick up and move. And I told him that. I was like, I can't, like, I, I, I'm, I, I don't know how to tell you that. I can't, I can't financially just pick up and, and move. I, I don't have that kind of money, uh, funding. And um, he goes, you know, will five thousand dollars be enough to move? And I was like, well, well yeah, that'd be that'd be plenty, you know. I move on five hundred dollars, man. I'm just <laughs> saying, I got no capital right now. And um, you know, he goes, okay, I'll have that check, and it was at my at my house in two days. So my wife and I were we're packing up, you know, the house we rented we we're renting at the time, and um, I got another call about two weeks later from Johnny Ace. And I was like, oh, shit, they realized they hired me up. okay. <laughs> like, this is, I'm waiting for the bottom to drop out on this. And um, actually, they called and said, hey, listen, we're going to bring you up to TV next week. Um, we're going to have you tag Lance Cade. And um, he's going to tag with you one week, and then the next week he's going to tag with another guy. And we're going to see who the best tag team is, and that team could possibly be on road. And um, I was like, oh, okay, great, you know, and I come to find out <laughs> it was Evan Thorne who he was going to be tagging with, the guy who ended up doing the vampire <laughs> gimmick. Yeah,
0: vampire, yeah.
3: Um, and they were friends from down in OVW. they have been training together for years. So when I heard that it was him and, and Lance, I was like, well, that's his buddy. Like, I don't, I didn't know Kevin. I didn't know Lance. They were friends. They're the ones that actually came up with the idea together. Um, I just automatically assumed, like, you know, this is just a formality. I'm still coming down to OV, OVW. I'm still gotta, you know, uh, this is just just to have him look at me. So Lance and I have a tag match and um, we just gel really well together. And uh, the, we, we went to, we had the match, we got in the car. I rode with him to the next town because they wanted to see us the next night SmackDown. And um, Cade and I just talked about just backgrounds of you know him being a Shaw, you know, Shawn Michaels guy, me being a Harley guy, the similarities, um, the, the similarities and the fact that we both had children, young children, um, the similarities on, on how we thought psychology should be handled in the ring, they just matched up. They just, and there was no, there never seemed to, it never seemed, there was never an argument with Cade and I when it came to that part of the wrestling. Um, so by the time we got to that second show, You know, we were, even though it was just one conversation, I just felt, we just felt really comfortable with each other. Um, We had a killer match the the next night. And um, we were walking to the back and Johnny Ace stopped us. And uh, he goes, Lance, he goes, listen, he goes, you've worked with Kevin down OVW. So, you know, if you have a good chemistry with him, you've worked with Trevor the last two days, who do you think would, you would have a better tag team with? And I'm waiting for him to say Kevin Thorne. And uh, he goes, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like I have more chemistry with Trevor and he goes, all right, you guys are on the road next week. And that next year I'm already, and I'm booked for house shows before we even on, you know, introduced for TV. And I never, not one day, not ever have I ever stepped one foot in developmental, never walked into, I mean, I've never even been so close to be out in the parking lot and see what the building used to look like. Um, that's one of my prideful moments, I guess, in the business that I'm one of the few guys that still was able to go from the independence straight to TV. That's, no, uh, no developmental.
0: That's pretty rare. Something else you did that was pretty rare was the finisher you used back then, the ace of spades. I know yeah. Williams is kind of credited for coming up with that as the Canadian destroyer, but yeah, I think you man are the first person I ever saw do that on a big time platform on national TV. How was that? Uh, was that well-recepted when you first started doing that move?
3: Um, it shocked people because I, I mean, guys, I'm, I'm six, you know, six, four, six, three, depending on what pair of boots I'm wearing. Um, at the time, you know, it was 250 260 Um, when I, that's where I seen it was Petey Williams do it. I just, when I saw him do it, you know, he does it with a swing and a snap and then snaps into it. Um, you ain't going to do, you're not swinging me. Like no guy's ever going to, I'm just, I'm not a seesaw fellas. And I was like, man, I would like to do that, but I can't do that swing. And I was like, well, what if I just, I did it on one of the trainees. I used to go back to Harley's camp any day, all my days off. And I would try all my new shit on these trainees. And of course they would love to do it because at the time I'm wrestling for WWE and they just want to be dumb and, you know, tackling dumb for me. Mm-hmm. But, um, I did it with a couple trainees and I just hooked the legs behind and I just jumped into it. And it just was a, it, it just looks very impactful for a guy my size to spin like a ball and be in, in a pinning position. Um, and that's one of my favorite part of the moves is the fact that it automatically puts me in a pinning predi- uh, position. There's no, I don't have to move. I don't have to left roll. I don't have to hook nothing. My, my legs are already on the guy's arms. I've already got his, his hips cocked to the right and, and up on his shoulders for a pin. And for a guy my size to do that, it really catches people off guard. Like I haven't done it in NWA specifically to break it out at the right time. So when people see it, it, it's like a holy shit moment. Because it is one of those things that when you see a guy my size, my character, you don't expect it. Um, It's like when I go to the top rope. um, One of the things at the time. When I was with WWE, there were certain people that would tell me not to do certain things like like jump off the top rope for a big high cross body or do that snap sunset flip guys your size don't do that big guys don't do that Trevor and I still so that's that's exactly why I need to do it, because they big guys don't do that stuff that's what's going to make me stand out. So that's why you'll see me go. You know, even now at 280, go to the step. You know, I'll climb up to the top rope and spring off and do a high cross body. Um, it's because you don't expect those things from a guy my size or or, or me as a character. I don't. I don't. I don't portray a luchador. Uh, so, so when a fat guy like me steps to the top rope, it's like almost a holy shit moment. Yeah, it means something. <laughs> yes. yes. like
2: Trevor you know you mentioned you know you and Cade you kept saying the word chemistry a lot and I I thought you guys really brought tag team wrestling you know kind of back in and I I would say I'd use one of my sports analogies I thought you guys had more chemistry than a periodic table because you guys really worked well together in the (laughs) ring what was it like for you when you guys finally won that WWE tag team championship what was that like
3: um from it was, it was, it was amazing. Cause it was, it all happened for me real fast. You know what I mean? I got a job. Our vignettes aired. We're wrestling the world tag team champs. We're winning the belts at the next pay-per-view. Um, it, it kind of filled me up with a little bit of false, uh, I guess hope to a certain extent. Cause I'm like, shit, this is the beginning. Like this is the beginning of my career. World champ motherfucker. World champ. Yeah. Right here. Uh, <laughs> but um no man it was it was vindicating it was um it was one of those moments where like every high school guy that used to make fun of me for for saying i'm gonna i want to be a pro wrestler every girl that made you know that laughed and said you know you're never gonna make it to wwe i had an ex-girlfriend who i broke up before I, i met my wife um And and she was part of, like, my early journey of wrestling. I meet my wife, we end up going to the WWE, and it's like those little moments pop in your head because she's a wrestling fan. She was at home watching me wrestle, going, "Uh, that motherfucker used to be my man, and uh, I talk shit, and uh, he is now not my man. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it was those moments, you know, that you, you... you know, national TV. I had friends from, from back home that I went to high school that I hadn't heard from years message me. Um, I had, I had dear friends that I had kind of lost touch with throughout life. Like come contact me and go, man, I, I heard, you know, you were on TV and I went and watched and saw it. It was awesome. Um, it was a very vindicating, like finally I've, I've made it, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and for a fat guy, that not not i didn't have not one one rip on me there was no abs there was no jackness i never stepped one foot into a developmental territory i wasn't a vince guy i was a harley race guy um and for me to win the world tag team championship i was like hell yeah like the cream does rise to the top you just got to keep moving forward
0: so uh you previously had used the name trevor rhodes and then stand up Uh, where'd the the, (laughs) name uh, Murdoch come from
3: um that was actually a steamboat idea um those two day tryouts I was talking to you about um Ricky Steamboat wasn't was an agent at the time and again I got lucky in the fact that Harley had brought Steamboat down to Harley's camp and to the school probably 10 or 12 times so it was at a you were, I was at a point in my my friend my relationship with Ricky I could I could run up hug him Ricky good to see you. you know what I mean he wasn't Ricky the Dragon Steamboat he was Ricky you know um, so when he seen me at that show he he had heard about my me having my match um, he suggested to me that maybe I should use the Murdoch name instead of Rhodes and the reason was because at the time I guess Dusty had some heat with Vince and and the mm-hmm. name Rhodes was was uh, very blackballed at the time. Like, you just mm-hmm. no one no one mentioned Rhodes' name. It didn't matter whose it was. It just wasn't a Rhodes. And, um, hey, man, it's your best interest, even just for tonight. If you never use the name again, you go by, probably you get Trevor Murdoch. Trevor Murdoch, you look like Dickie anyway, so it just fits. You know, just go by Trevor Murdoch. And I was like, all right, mm-hmm. cool. I'm like, give me a buck. Who you call me? I don't care what you put me in. Put me in a pink tutu. Give me a job! I'm
0: hungry! <laughs> Well, to fast forward a little bit, speaking of names, you then went to TNA and uh, was known as Jethro Holiday. What was up with, with that name change? Was it a WWE um, thing? That, or? Well, no, that was a Dutch Mantel
3: thing. Um, <laughs> Dutch was a fan of um, Doc Holiday and Jethro Toll. And instead of, I wanted to, when I came back to, to TNA the second time, I kind of knew what was going on. Like I had to make at least uh, I at least stand out a little bit. Everybody knew me as a WWE guy, but I wanted, I wanted to still kind of stick with what I knew. so I wanted them to call me Murdoch, just Murdoch. Like that's not WWE didn't own just Murdoch. They owned Trevor Murdoch. But TNA did not want to get anywhere near it. I didn't have a contract, so I didn't understand that'd be different if I was under a deal and I'm a long-term employee, then I can understand the concern, but I, but I wasn't, I was just, I was literally, they were calling me week for week to come in. Um, so, and I had just come off, um, I believe I had done, yeah, I'd done the tour in India for Rink King uh, and with Jeff Jarrett and Dutch was there too. And that's what they called me. And Rink King was Jethro Holiday. So when I came back to TNA and Dutch and and was still Dutch was on, on the booking team, and uh jeff was I, I i think i'm pretty sure he's involved but he wasn't direct
0: wasn't russo, um, wasn't russo writing during this time he was yeah
3: he was a big part of that at that time and um it it, it just it just transferred over you know what i mean even though i was with the company a stand up when it originally started um i didn't even want stand up but i just found it funny like you guys are just gonna totally ignore the fact that i'm like i'm one of the tna ogs like if you go back and look at the original eight episodes of TNA, I'm on it. every single one of them doing mm-hmm. something. Um, so I'm I'm an original TNA OG, but mm-hmm. I never quite felt like that while I was there. I just felt like the guy they were using to get other guys over. I mean, the, the, to their credit, like everybody I got in the ring with was was a top guy. You know what I mean? I had a fucking I had a singles match with booker and I quit match with booker T. I had a clockworks orange hardcore match with Raven I had a pay-per-view match with Abyss. Um, I, you know, I
0: stacked I, roster during this time. Too. Oh yeah. It's a lot of mm-hmm. good guys, you know? And so, I mean, they,
3: they put me in the ring with a lot of good guys, but I was just, you know, um, I was there to get those guys, to move those guys to their next part of their angle. Um, and that led to one night I'm wrestling. Uh, <laughs> I've got a match with Rhino and Taz comes in as this is the first time he's come in, he's gonna be a producer. He's trying it out, you know, and they put him in our match, which you know, I'm assuming they thought would be easy. Those two guys can work, you know, Taz get the details. So um as day goes on, you know, um I've talked to Rhino, we've worked out our match, and Taz tracks me down and he's like, So let me ask you a question. What was what, what's your finisher, Trevor? And I said, Well, I do this top row bulldog off the top. And, um, you know, it looks pretty good. Not bad for a guy my my height and size to jump off and hit it. And he goes, Okay, he goes, that's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, well, can you? Um, all right, this is what we were thinking about the finish. All right, we think we want to have you hit that bulldog and cover rhino. One, two, kick out. You pick him up, shoot him off. He ducks your line and gores you. One, two, three. And I was like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. what what and uh that no i i, I said i i said man i said can i do something else off the top rope like high cross body he goes no man i want you to hit that bulldog and i didn't have a deal i didn't i wasn't signed with them i didn't even know if i was coming back from week to week and i said taz i said please no disrespect i was like man but I really would like to hit something else in that bulldog. I said, I've used that bulldog throughout my whole career. While I was with Harley, with, with WWE, every independent. I was like, that's the, one of the few things I'm known for. When you hear Trevor, Burrow, oh, we might see a bulldog tonight. That's my gimmick. And I was like, I would like to. and I've always been told to protect it. And he was, okay, okay. And then just walks off. About an hour later, I get called into Terry Taylor's office. He was doing talent relations at the time taz is in there brian uh, road dog jesse james is in there who's on my side defending me but also in there to kind of just keep things cool and terry taylor proceeds to chew my ass about me uh not wanting to be a team player me, me being difficult me not wanting to listen to the the producer or you know the yeah the producer um and and i just out and explained it to him what the deal was you guys you know i don't have a deal here I'm just protecting my finish I don't, I'm laying down for the guy It ain't like you know no one's losing anything. I'm just trying to protect my shit and it's they it's only one move like I just don't have to do it not like I'm trying mm-hmm. to get it in like most guys are. I'm trying to just not do it. <laughs> and um, he he felt that I was I was being difficult to work with and I had my match and they never called me back.
0: The crossbody would have made more sense anyway. He could have rolled. Through. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, boys, that's what I'm
3: saying. But it, it was what it comes down to. It was all how Taz put it to Terry. And then Terry being a supervisor a position was looking out for his people. So Terry was chewing on me because he honestly felt like maybe I was being disrespectful, and being hard to work with. The only reason why he felt that way is because it was the way it was put to him by Taz, which wasn't the case. But I, I stand by my, I stand by my comments and I stand by, you know, my decision that day.
2: Well, Trevor, of course, now you've transitioned the last uh, couple of years, which to the NWA. And I, I've just absolutely have been a huge fan NWA power. I'm so glad that it's coming back. Uh, I think uh, bringing back the studio wrestling, what was that like for you to be involved in that studio wrestling environment?
3: Um well I've done a little I've done a studio wrestling career with like Dave Marquez and up in, in California. What I wasn't really prepared for was when I stepped into that studio, it it's almost like you're stepping back into time. You're stepping into a TV screen when you're a kid and you're watching wrestling and you're like, I know that look that that set looks familiar. That ring, how close it is to the people just feels so familiar. And for me as a young guy growing up watching wrestling, it's almost like I'm stepping through the TV into this time period. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's where kind of like a lot of the old schoolness kind of like leaves NWA now. You know, we we, we have good solid wrestling, but it's a, it's a newer, you know, it's a little bit what's up to date, but we still try to keep a, a nostalgia about pro wrestling. You know, it's, um, and that's the one reason, it's one of the reasons why I'm an NWA guy like that's that's where my stamp is right now um to to step onto that stage and and be uh be standing in (laughs) to be standing at the podium Mm -hmm. while the fans are right there while there's three hard cameras pointed directly at you the rings right there and the announcing teams right there it's just like it transports you if you're a fan of old school wrestling it transports you right back to that and you're like holy shit i'm 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 doing it. Like I'm doing it. Like uh fuck I'm doing it, you know, and it's I don't know how to put any other words to put it, you know, and it's um the one good thing, the one I keep saying one the many good things about NWA too is they let me be me. Like um a lot of companies micromanage and they tell you, don't do this, don't do that. Even on the independence, it's it's entertains the shit out of me when they go wow Trevor we don't do this around here we don't do that mm-hmm. um they say Trevor you know when I got my job there I said what do you guys want they go just do you and I was like I what what do you mean they're like just go wrestle and be you and it sounded almost foreign to me for a minute you know because mm-hmm. everybody else wants to micromanage you now I'm got somebody going out there just going, cutting me loose. So those first couple shows, those episodes were, were a little, well, were a little difficult, but once I realized like, man, I've got the gas pedal, you know, and I can go and I can do whatever I want, what feels right. And I can create magic. Wrestling used to be about like part of it used to be about magic. Like what was going to happen in the ring or, or as a young guy, or even as a, as a, as an, a teenage adult, like just, getting behind somebody and believing that that's a good person and they're you know they're fighting evil um i i feel like i'm actually achieving that here i'm telling that story in the nwa and people are able to follow it
0: well it's finally back we're stoked about it you're the current national champion and just thinking about that title man the people who have held it you mentioned Terry Taylor earlier. He's one of them, but Austin Idol, Jack Briscoe, yep. Paul, Paul Orndorff, uh, Killer Tim Brooks. We talked about world-class. Ted DiBiase, Larry Zabisco, yeah. Tully Blanchard, Nikita Koloff, man. What does it feel like holding the same title that those legends have held? Well,
3: it's slightly intimidating, that's for sure, because that's a, that's a hell of a list right there. Yeah, you're you're <laughs> on it now, brother. And I, I feel like I know, man. I know. I just got to earn it now, boys. You know what I mean? That, you know, everybody thinks it's, it's hardest to get there. It's, it's, it's hardest to stay there. Um, No, man. I'm it. Again, it goes back to making me feel like my career has been validated to a certain extent. Um, Also there's, there's been a part of me throughout my whole career that I knew I could never follow in Harley's footsteps. There's, you can't, Like, there's no one that can follow those footsteps. So I've done my best, though, to to try to skip along next to him, if that makes any sense, and and follow, at the very least, um, a similar path. So with the NWA, like, it's just a, it's like the completion of a career. And then now to be an NWA National Heavyweight Champion, um, it makes me feel right. It makes me feel like I'm in the right place. I'm doing the right thing. Um, The only thing, the only thing that bums me out about being an AWA national heavyweight champion is the fact that I can't take it into Harley's office and put it on his desk and show him, hey, this is what I did. Um, When I won the world tag team titles, that next, that weekend that I went home, I went home, kissed my old lady kiss the baby oh you're so beautiful i'll be right back daddy You gotta go see pappy and uh, i went straight to harley school carried the belt in call me a mark i don't give a shit i laid that thing right down on his table on his desk and i said there you go boss And he goes i told you you know the cream will rise to the top mm-hmm. um i only did that one other time and that was when uh, i wrestled rick flair and had a little storyline with Ric Flair, and I came into the school, and I was like, "Ha ha, bitches! Now there's two
1: people that wrestle Flair." <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, um, but I wish I wish Harley was here to see this and, and be a part of this. Um, I, I think he'd be proud. Um, and and I hope that you know in my intentions. My goal is to to be in an NWA World Heavyweight Champion. And um, yeah. you guys are all old school wrestlers. You all know that the, the, the championship, the title that I'm holding is the original money in the bank. Mm-hmm. The, the national champion used to be the golden ticket to be the world heavyweight yeah. champion. Um, and so I, I feel like I'm, I am on that path. And as long as I don't um, try to rush it, you know, when you're a young guy, you want everything now. You, you know, I want it fast, hard now um i'm trying to use a little common sense and some some experience and go okay let's just sit back hold on to this make the best of everything you got i want to be the best nwa national champion they've had in years i want I want people to remember uh the one day when i do finally you know lose it i want people to remember that championship and i want people to want that championship and um it's up to me now guys this is where yeah. like you know i has the level of work has to step up to the next level, mm-hmm. you know? And um, guys, I've, I've got an elliptical in my house. And again, physically, everybody knows I'm not a gym rat. So, uh, but I have spent more time on that elliptical since I've won that world title um, than I ever had in my life before. Because guys, these next set of episodes and this pay review that's coming up on Fight TV, Mm-hmm. There's going to be some surprises, and there's going to be a lot of badass talent coming up here, fellas. That's going to try to be making a name for themselves, and and there's going to be you know past guys coming back that are beasts. Um, we're, we're, there's I'm going to be really surprised and really happy when NWA Power comes back. Not to mention the back for the attack pay per view.
2: Well, that was the thing, you know, about a year to today, almost a year to the day, NWA had so much momentum going. Uh, The power, you know, pay-per-views, they just sold out the arena down there in Atlanta, and then COVID-19. Yeah, Crockett Cup was was coming. And then COVID-19 happened. How has COVID-19 impacted uh, you and your profession?
3: Man, you know, it's a funny joke, okay, because – uh, here's here, look at it. I want people to look at it from my perspective. I have worked my whole career to try to feel like I've reached that top of that mountain. And I finally, I finally found a company that lets me be me, lets me do me, let the fans, let the, they they listen to the fans. And I finally start getting elevated. And I'm not talking the office is pushing me. The people are pushing me. The people are are, are are putting me in these positions. And I've got this momentum train, guys. And my whole career, I've been waiting for this. This is the momentum train. This is that moment every wrestler is looking for. And I'm like, holy shit, here it's coming, it's coming. And everything's painted for me to go to the Crockett Cup and steal the show. I mean, steal it. You guys have no idea I was I mean, I was coming in like gangbusters. I already had called Nick all this and said, lace them fucking boots up, man, because you're gonna have to fucking follow this shit. I'm just taking it to another level. And I'm right there. And then COVID hits. And I'm like, God damn. Damn it. And 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 for a split second, boys, I had a small pity party. And, like, Jesus Christ, even even the the, the universe is against me on this. Um, but then I kicked out and realized it's just, fuck, it's just, it's, this is how my life works. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to enjoy it, expect it, and I'm going to just roll for the next punt. Mm-hmm. And obviously, guys, we got to the point where we could go to California and try to pay off that angle. And, and to Aaron Stevens' credit, and, and even to my credit, credit don't toot my own horn to toot, toot, toot. that angle still had enough fire to draw at that pay-per-view and people still wanted to see that match even though we were six months out from the last time me and Aaron Stevens had stepped into the ring people a lot of people that was one of their higher, higher highest rated and highest roasting pay-per-views was me and Aaron Stevens for the NWA national title people still came out after six months to watch the payoff for that which which speaks volumes for me and Aaron and I'm most guys won't toot their own horn but
0: toot 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 I absolutely love the stuff you and Aaron were doing as well as Josephus question mark unfortunately just lost him Uh, what was working with Josephus like uh, not only inside the ring but outside the ring you you know uh,
3: Josephus wasn't he wasn't one of those wrestlers. Like he wasn't um, everybody could tell you and he'd tell you, you know, he wasn't a, a technical wrestler. He was a character wrestler. Um, he was a guy that was extremely creative and came up with ideas that you would question sometimes, but you, you believed in him and liked him so much and he believed in the ideas so much that you were like, shit, this has got to work. Um, you know, when I wrestled the question mark the first time I had just wrestled, I think Ricky Starks before that. And I just gotten, you know, you know, I just tried to get the strong, aggressive, serious wrestling going on and being this tough guy. And then I'm, I've stepped into the ring with, oh, yeah, <laughs> and I, it, it was hard for me to, to buy it at first. And we got in the bag. And we talked about it some more and it clicked. Like, I, I, I forget, you know, sometimes as wrestlers, we, we, we put our own roadblocks in front of ourselves and, um, I forgot where we were at, what NWA stands for, what it what it can be, and what we can do that most com- other companies can't do. Um, question mark, AEW would not have known what to do with question mark. WWE would not have known what to do with question mark. Who was the most popular guy on our program? <laughs> Fucking question mark. Mm. You know what I mean? And mm. that just shows you, like when you let a wrestler... That believes in himself and his ideas um and let him do let him do his thing it can it can work um in the back not only was that dude creative in the ring but like I shared some pictures of him uh, playing on a piano I come to find out I didn't know it um after the first time I worked with him fucking music teacher and I was like man like to be a music teacher, you working with students and teaching music—that yeah. you know that that's not easy. That's not words on a page. That's that's in my opinion, music is an emotion. Um, so for this guy to be in a world of spandex and hitting people, <laughs> um, to be a music teacher, like I grew a profound respect for him as a man, you know, and and enjoyed just listening to the cornball jokes he had and him talking shit to me under the mask, you know, cause no one else could see it. And I'm the only one that can hear it. And it's, um, it was, he was able to break me out of that realm of, you've gotta be fucking mean and tough all the time. Sometimes you've gotta let creativity and character step in. And and I hadn't had anybody do that with me for a long time. Uh, so it was, I, I enjoyed working with him and telling stories with him and, and, and actually giving him ideas and seeing what he thought about, about ideas. You know what I mean? Um, he had a little boy um, that he loved very much and uh, he thought the world of him. And it's, it's, it breaks my heart, especially with me having children. I've got a 21-year-old daughter, a 15-year-old boy and a four-year-old little boy that breaks my heart to think of me being in the world without them. I can only imagine what he has to deal with. Um, so we're going to go out and we're going to do our best to re- not only remind everybody about the question mark and Josephus and, and what a great person he was, but to remember him in a way that he's hopefully, you know, forever acknowledged, you know, um, as a wrestlers, we all, I've I've said it a couple times in this interview. As a wrestler, you look for those moments, those, those moments in time where you feel like every all the hard work and bullshit's paying off. Um, and for a long time, Josephus was looking for that mark question mark was looking for that point. When he got to NWA, he finally got it. You know what I mean? Like he felt it in the ring when people were chanting his name and everything you, as a wrestler, you want, and you imagine to be as a wrestler was happening for him. And he got that. Um, and he had made that statement several times. You know, I finally, like, this is the moment I've been working for my whole career. Um, so that makes me feel really good that he was able to at least accomplish that before his untimely
1: passing. Hey, Trevor, I got a question for you that kind of goes back a little bit. We've kind of moved on, but I, I'm just curious. When you got into the business in 97, you said, and Harley got you these these tryouts at, at WWE and stuff, was WCW ever an option? Was that ever talked about? Was that ever a thought? Or were you always a WWE well, guy?
3: No, 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 no. Um, when we first started training, we were probably a year in, Harley was bringing, uh, WCW was still around, and he had actually brought Jim Barnett to a couple shows to watch us wrestle. Um, me and a buddy of mine, uh, Steve, you know, Matt Murphy, Mm -hmm. we, um, we wrestled Ron and Don Harris in front of Jim Barnett for a tryout, um, for WCW. And, uh, we, we, we thought we did great young guys. Probably we probably didn't do a shit, you know what I mean? But of course we were young guys and we didn't make anybody mad. Ron and Don didn't stiff us. So it was a great night. Mm -hmm. Um, but well, we got back, um, Harley didn't tell us anything after the show, after because we did a couple shows together. So Jim could look at all of us, you know, night after night. And we got back to the school and we started training next week. And called me and Matt in and he said, you know, Jim likes your guys' work. But, and now you guys got to understand, this is Harley Race trying to impersonate Jim Barnett.
0: <laughs> now, if you know Jim
3: Barnett, he had a very high voice. A very um, uh, affluent, very, very. Anyway, so, yeah, we got <laughs> So Harley goes, you know, you guys. He loves your work, but as Jim said, they look like babies, and that's <laughs> <laughs> and we did. We were young guys, you know what I mean. And we did. We were baby faces, and he, you know, WCW just didn't. At the very least, Jim Barnett didn't see any value in us at that time. I think that he felt that we were, uh, Harley was at the time was going to start working as a feeder system for WWE. And we were kind of like put in the back pocket. Like he knew we were there. Let us grow up, maybe get a little stubble on our face. And then he'll look at us again. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously that didn't work out because Vince buys, you know, WCW and blah, blah, blah and then that's when wwe becomes the only game in town you know what i mean they're the only at one time guys you all remember like they're don't get me wrong there was new japan there was all japan there was no but they were over in japan they weren't over here yet you know what i mean they weren't as big as they were the only the, the biggest game in town was wwe if you wanted to be somebody in this business
0: so a lot of you mentioned aew earlier um a lot of modern wrestling has changed or evolved. Some think for the better, some think for the worst. What's out there? Uh, do you first of all, do you watch any any of the current stuff other than NWA? If so, is, does anything stand out that you like or, or don't like?
3: I don't. I don't watch WWE anymore, guys. Um, it, it's nothing personal. It just you get to a point watching their program that you record it and you fast forward through majority of it to find one match. That you like one guy, you know what I mean? Um, and I, I just I'm I'm just maybe lazy. I don't I don't know, I don't put that much effort into it. um what of course I've been watching AEW and and that is you know those guys have a chance to be something different and new and, and be exciting for people. The one good thing, one of the good things that AEW is doing is they're opening the doors to other companies. For so long, Vince WWE wanted to pretend like nobody else existed. It, you know, how did that work with WCW? It didn't, they fucking, they stole your ratings for fucking almost a year, you know? Um, That mentality doesn't work. Whereas AEW is opening up the door and they're acknowledging to people that there's the NWA, there's impact. Mm -hmm. There's these other companies. Wrestling is more than just one place. And by by them acknowledging those other companies, they look like the hub. They look like the place to be. You know what I mean? Like how it doesn't take fucking rocket science. But, you know, when egos get into play in this business and people think they're bigger and better than everybody else. And for so long, um, there's been a mentality with the company up in Connecticut that you're we're going to force you to like this person. I don't care if you're telling me you don't like this person. The fans are telling me they don't like. Him. Nope. You're going to fucking like this guy. Um, we've done it with, you know, John Cena. Um, thankfully they continued to push John and it worked out. They did it with Roman Reigns. They 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 force force people to want to like these people and people now have options. Like, fuck it. I'll watch something else. And, you know, AEW is smart in in the fact that they're using that to their their benefit, that they're opening the doors to, you can see anybody on our program, not just former WWE guys or the guy you just signed. You can see anybody on AEW, and that's exciting as a fan. That's that's a place where, as a fan, you want to go watch because you don't know what's going to happen.
2: Well, Trevor, on the pay-per-view that's coming up, the back on the attack, do we have any word on who the potential opponent of Trevor Murdoch is going to be? I have put my bid
3: in for who I want my opponent to be. I, I am waiting for the powers to be, to announce it. Um, Hopefully they go with my decision. Um, The one thing uh, I can't say, I'm not going to say who it is because it's not my place. Um, But the one thing I can tell you guys is that, I told everybody that while I was leading up to winning a going after the NWA national title, that if I had, if I won this, this championship, that I was going to have some of the toughest matches in the company, that I was going to fight some of the toughest guys that I was going to make sure that that championship was on the line. And then when people watched me and watched my matches, they knew that they were getting a show and they were getting everything. Um, So I think once you guys find out who my opponent is going to be for back to attack, I think you guys are going to be pretty fired up about it because it's going to be one hell of a slobber knocker. Basically, we're going to probably beat the shit out of each other yeah, for your yeah. enjoyment.
0: And pay-per-view is only 20 bucks, guys, on Fight TV. So if you don't have Fight TV, it's a free app. Download it. Spend your 20 bucks. You spend more than that on energy drinks. And check out the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Please do, man. You know, you've worked for TNA, you, know, you worked for Vince. What's it like working for Billy Corgan?
3: Billy is a very, um, you, you forget. First off, you're like, oh, you know, if you're not a fucking Smashing Pumpkins, Mark, I don't, you know, you can't be friends, man. I went he's... to the Smashing
0: Pumpkins uh, concert uh, pre COVID, so 29, summer 2019, wore this Dude. shirt, hoping to catch a glimpse. Uh, That Maybe he would see me in the crowd with the NWA shirt on didn't happen, but yes, huge. I've
3: been a fan. I've been a fan of Billy since he had hair. I remember (laughs) when he had hair, (laughs) you know? um, So at first you, you, you realize, fuck, I'm hanging out. Like I'm the boss is fucking Billy Corgan. Um, But then the wrestler kind of stepped in it uh, in me and be like, wait a minute, what's this fucking rock star know about fucking wrestling? And when you, into my first conversation with him, I could tell how much he loved pro wrestling and how much of a fan he was of pro wrestling, and I'm not talking about uh, the guy who just caught who started watching wrestling when Stone Cold Steve Austin came out doing the fuck. I'm talking, I'm talking about a guy who was talking to me about matches with Harley and Black and White. You know what I mean? And you're like, okay, this cat's for real. Like he's the real deal. And when you talk to him, um, he's very open and very honest and direct like he has nobody to impress he gains nothing by bullshitting you like the product doesn't get better he doesn't like by by bullshitting you he doesn't he doesn't gain anything um when they brought me in i was initially in for one match dave lagana and and nick aldis was at harley's funeral and after after the funeral they both cornered me and asked me what i was doing and i was i was virtually on my way out like you know, when when your mentor and trainer of of eighteen years has passed away, you're not wrestling full time anymore. I just felt like it was time to hang up the boots, and I felt like a round peg no pun intended being a fat guy. I, I was a round peg in a square world. Like I didn't feel like I fit anywhere anymore. And Nick and Bill, you know, you've got. Well, that one match led into another and led into another, which led into that night, um, that into that loop, Sitting down talking with Billy and, you know, him being honest, you know, I I love the way you work. Uh, You know, I, I, I see longevity in you and you certainly have more on the tank. Um, You know, we'd also like you to be a producer here too. So not only am I wrestling in front of everybody, I'm in the back working with a lot of the young guys, helping them with their matches. And that's, you know, when you're, I've, I've been in this business really long, I'm 42 years old guys, eventually I'm going to have to step out of the ring. Um, so for him to give me an opportunity to do the backstage work and be a part of the production meetings and the booking meetings and, and those conversations, um, I feel valued. And I haven't felt like that from any other company except when I was with Harley. So it makes me want to work harder, it makes me want to devote everything to him. I'm an, And that's why I can sit here and say, I'm an NWA guy, like, I may go wrestle once, maybe for AEW, or something like that, but I'm always, I'm coming back, this is my house. NWA is my house. That's my bread and butter, that's my place. That's where I fit. That's where where I, that's, that's where my last piece of the puzzle came, boys, and the picture's clear now. I'm an NWA guy.
2: Well, Trevor, as the national champion, like you mentioned earlier, that means you're next in line for the 10 pounds of gold, Sweet Charlotte herself with Nick Aldis. Uh, kind of give us your thoughts on Nick this and what he's done with the 10 pounds of gold in the last couple of years. I have to give all the props in the world to this and the aspect
3: that he, he took the uh, sweet Charlotte, the 10 pounds of gold. And he, it wasn't dead, but he definitely put it back in the spotlight again. Um, and Nick's Nick's one hell of a world champion. I mean, when you talk to Nick, you know, you're speaking to a world champion. When you look at Nick, you know, you're speaking to a world, you're looking at a world champion. When you watch him wrestle, you know, you're watching a world champion wrestle um, for that. I, I respect the guy and I will follow that guy in that aspect um, that, that direction. Uh, but in the same sense, while I'm sitting back here and I'm watching note that I'm taking notes, you know what I mean? Because this is, uh, I keep, I keep hearing these rumbles, man, we'd love to see, you know, you and Nick go at it, you know, and this is not from the fans, I'm talking, I'm hearing it from NWA office people, you know, that, that that's what they, you know, they want to see, they're looking forward to seeing what what Nick and I can do maybe one day. Um, I, I, I I can't, I'm, I'm not even anywhere close to Dusty Rhodes, but that's the closest comparison I can make because that's a, a common man against, you know, it's the Dusty Flair um, scenario. And I think one day that's that's something that's going to be visited and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully sooner than later. But um, I think that's something that in the back pocket, Billy knows that he can pull out and that people want to see. Um, and that's something I definitely am working towards.
0: That, that would be awesome. It really would be to see you guys go at it. Um, You want to do some uh, rapid, random, very random questions, rapid fire, some wrestling, some non-wrestling?
1: Yeah, man. Now, was... now, hang now, hang on, Nathan. You're not the only broadcast journalist around here, Trevor. I've got a ah, rapid-fire ah. question for you. <laughs> I want you to tell me what comes to mind right off the bat when you hear the name Paul Roma. Mm.
3: Look, Paul Roma. Um, he's one of those guys that that kind of didn't get a chance to fucking do good. And what I mean by that is he was put in some really tough positions to try to excel as uh, for a guy who wasn't built up properly um i think do he does not get his paul credit paul roma could work i what do you think paul roma could work i, I think he, I, I i to a certain extent yes yes yeah. again i i don't think i don't think he gets just credit um but he was also put in a really tough situation uh <laughs> with, with 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 some of the spots he was put in but i'm not going to sit here I know everybody buries Paul Roma, but I'm not going to sit here and do it. I can't. I don't have it in me. I, I I, think he had a lot of talent. He just didn't get a chance to let it shine. But well, you're, you're
2: looking at the biggest uh, <laughs> Paul Roma mark in the entire world. I think we were messaging. I think we had 120 messages back and forth the other night between me and Chapman. Uh, he's the biggest you know, Roma mark in the world. So. You know, because because of that conversation that you guys had,
1: I, I, I – realized and discovered that there is a mute button on the uh on the message on the message group chat you know so yeah yeah thanks guys i i uh, if i ever need to uh mute you guys now i know how
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right uh texting or talking text hunting or fishing hunting greatest tv dad
3: oh buck Greatest TV dad. Shit, there's so many of them. Greatest, greatest TV dad. Man, he doesn't stump me. That caught me off guard.
0: Hey. Andy Taylor. Andy Griffiths. It's got to be Andy Taylor, man. Oh, no, man. I'm,
3: I'm a little bit more modern. Like. Homer Simpson? <laughs> oh, no, Peter Griffin. No. Al Bundy. Al Bundy. Oh, man. <laughs> Al Bundy. I'm going to go Al Bundy. I did Al Bundy. That's two in a row for Al Bundy. <laughs> that's actually Al mm-hmm. like, Bundy. I got
0: a lot of Al Bundy in me. Uh, who looks more like someone in an antacid commercial struggling to eat a chili dog, Jim Cornette or Paul Heyman?
1: Oh.
0: oh. Paul. Paul. You know Paul's
3: sweating. You know Paul's got the sweats, mm-hmm. the shit sweats. <laughs> What's
0: your favorite carnival or county fair food? Um, I'm, I'm a funnel mm-hmm. funnel cake okay guy. I like funnel cake. Okay. Who looks more like the director of a funeral home, Mike Tanay or Don Callis?
3: Ooh, Mike today. Mike Tene! Today. I, I
0: know you the hear, answer. Mike,
3: you can see Mike. You could see
0: Mike looking at you,
3: going, "I'm sorry about this." Being all creepy and shit.
0: Red Hot Chili Peppers or Smashing Pumpkins?
3: Oh, Smashing Pumpkins, just because the yeah, Smashing Pumpkins, boys. <laughs>
0: Who looks more like the guest character on Golden Girls that shows up to take Blanche out on a date? Classy Freddie Blassie or J.J. J. Dillon?
3: J.J. J. Dillon. J.J. <laughs>
0: Favorite city to wrestle in uh, outside the state you live? Memphis. Good choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who looks more like the leader of a nudist colony, Bruce Pritchard or John Laurinaitis? Uh, Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> come on brother love you see brother love buck ass
3: naked
1: oh, <laughs>
3: love you. you
0: which country music group would win a traditional survivor series match the oakridge boys or alabama
3: oh shit oh fuck um it's gotta be alabama I'm, I'm, I'm an alabama fan yeah i'm gonna have to go mm. in alabama
0: Who looks more like an attorney on a TV drama, Dave Marquez or Joe Galley? Depends on which drama, because they both fit the bill. Uh, we're gonna go, we're gonna give Dave Marquez that
3: bull, that bull drama. You guys know the TV show. We'll give him a little bull.
0: Worst gimmick, past or present.
3: Ooh, worst gimmick. No man, I can't bury anybody. Best gimmick. Best gimmick. Best fuck man. Hmm. I can't put anybody over like that either
1: though. <laughs> damned <laughs> if you do, you're damned if you don't. Best right,
3: you know what I mean? So it's I, like...
1: I, I think the default, the default answer for that is gonna be Mantar. <laughs> I mean
3: well, it's either that or a cross between that and bash a booger.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. How
3: do you how do you sit in that booking meeting and go, guess what <laughs> you're gonna be?
1: <laughs>
3: you know what I mean? Like
1: the, 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 how about a paycheck? Put like they they're like, here's a roll of duct tape. This will get you through the first loop.
3: <laughs> Bro, we got you. Little gorilla tape, we got you. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: best heel excuse me best heel ooh
3: best heel man um i'm gonna like best heel holy shit it, there's so man there's 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 different types of fucking heel so let's just i'll just use the four horsemen because and and the reason why i want to use them is because there's four different heels in that in that group right there not the same fucking heel um when you had a guy like fucking flair he was your dirty heel like your sneaky yeah. heel like your shady fucking heel um like he would do shit you know when the ref's back is turned that would just make you go what a fucking asshole you know what i mean but then you had guys like arnon tully that would just fucking dig into a guy and just fucking pound on him and, and then look at him and go you're a fucking bitch." You know what I mean? Like I'm the baddest mother. That's fucking wild. That's heel. Then you got guys, you know, I'll throw I'll throw Barry Windham in there just on the four horseman end of it, because you have a pretty heel there. Now you got a pretty heel that can beat your ass and you can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Like those right there, like that's in my opinion, one of the one of the reasons why that whole faction worked. Like nobody was the, they were granted, they were all on the same side. They were just different players of the game. And it it made you just hate them as a group.
0: Best babyface.
3: Ooh, you can see now. There's you got to throw Dusty in there. Like yeah. that's like who else can can get the people? And here's the other thing I want to point out with Dusty. The reason why I think Dusty was the best babyface, not only because of the way he talked and the way he 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 worked in the ring, um, but also because he wasn't your fucking like your normal baby face the normal baby faces back then was the jacked up cut up all-american fucking you know white meat fucking baby face and you've got this guy that comes out who who's who's a big tubby guy and he's telling you that he's the son of a plumber he's just like you like you and him could have been neighbors but he decided to become a wrestler and you decide you, you continued to go work at your job. Like that's, he made you feel like he, like you were one of him, you know what I mean? And, and baby faces don't do that anymore. Like baby faces can't like that anymore. They, you know, you, you don't look at a baby face nowadays and look at him and go, I could, I can see myself in that guy. No, because they're all jacked up, cut up physically look amazing but extremely unattainable to a lot of people there are more people out there that look like me than there are of them so that's i think that's a kudos to me in the fact one reason why i think i'm still getting over um dusty could could make you feel like you were family in one promo he can make you feel his pain in one promo um to me that's the ultimate baby face that's the guy who who I want to not only pay money to see, I will give him whatever he needs to be successful. You know what I mean? Like I, I, you want to do whatever you can to help that guy. And he was, he was the patriarch. He was the, like, he could, that, just the, just a twitch. He could turn it on any time. And to me, he's, he's number one baby face.
0: Who looks more like they purchased a pool table by saving all their Marlboro miles since the age of 14, Jake Roberts or George South? george got
3: a little old creepy look to him. You guys know.
1: You guys
0: know.
3: I love George. But if you didn't know who George was, you know he was buying that. The table. He was buying that pool the
0: table. All right, here's a controversial one. Is cheesecake a cake or a pie? Ooh, it's cake, boys. Come on with the cake. Stiffest the cake. or hardest bump or chair going shot? With the cake you ever took and who was responsible for it? Um,
3: I've got a couple of them. One of them was, um, I actually just was talking about this the other day. I, I got a chance to wrestle Billy Gunn before I went to WWE. He was one of the guys Harley brought in down here in Eldon, my hometown, well, not my hometown, but where I've lived for the last 20 plus years. We had a standing room only. Um, I have a singles match with Billy. Is, I'm stoked, fired up. We're having a great match. Mid match, go to shoot him in into or shoot him in the corner. He reverses. Um, no, I'm sorry. I shoot him in the corner. I come charging in, and he puts up a boot. But but when I get close, most guys put up their boot and they put it up straight and let me do all the work. Well, when I got close to Billy, he extended right up into my eye to the point where he like pushed my eyeball back up into my head, and 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 he could. We're continuing the match. Like I take the bump. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm fucked up. And he picks me up and shoots me uh, across the ring. And as I'm running across the ring, the lights are blinking in and out of my eye because it's swelling shut instantly. Mm. Um, when another ten minutes after that, um, I've I've been blessed in the aspect that I've when I, I've had three concussions. But nothing that was so serious that I had to be carted out of out of the ring. Um, I took a I took a chair shot um, before I even met Harley. I was, when I was wrestling for that company, indie company. Being a young guy, um, trusting and an overexcited vet that hadn't wrestled in probably fucking six months, even though he says he's been wrestling twenty years. That was only one match every six months. Um, He reared back and cracked me with a chair and split me open the hard way, like a Philly sandwich. Like I had a fat pussy right here across my forehead and (laughs) it fucking just like I dropped and I'm just, the blood's just rolling down. And if you've ever been busted open on your head, like it's a warm, Like it's a weird warm feeling of like a drain is on, but it's running across your face. And one stream will get you will get you a little fired up. But when you feel your whole face and it's dripping off your chin, you're like, oh my God, like what has happened to me? Mm -hmm. And had you get stitches and like, you know, being a young guy, I was like, that's how wrestling is gonna be. I I don't want any fucking part of this. Mm-hmm. um and thankfully a couple guys smartened me up. that the guy i was in the ring with was just an idiot and should have never the spot should have never even been approved and even happened
0: what's more likely to exist bigfoot or aliens aliens who wins in a married mixed tag match cody and brandy rhodes or mickey james and nick aldous oh mickey james and nick because uh, here's the thing, guys. All right, all right, no.
3: I love me Samika James. I love that lady. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think she is a fantastic woman. Um, and, and here's why I can say that. It's just for the simple fact is when I was there in WWE, um, as you guys can tell, I didn't have a gimmick that uh had ladies running to me. Um, even though I was my beautiful, beautiful girlfriend and now my wife at the time, um, I just didn't have a gimmick. Like girls believe to the gimmick. So, like, they would, th- you know, they just wouldn't talk to me. And it's not like I wanted them to talk to me, but I mean, it would just, it's weird when eventually you're standing in a group of girls and like none of them are talking to you. Mickey would talk to me. Mickey would be like, hey, Trevor, what's going on? Like, she, she seemed that it was a gimmick. Um, and she treated me like a normal person. She was nice to me and mm-hmm. she was dealing with her own personal shit at the time and she didn't have to be. And then every time I seen her after that, she always gave me a hug and was kind to me. And I just will always have a special place as a friend in my heart for her because she is just a 100% good person. And Nick's a great dude, too. Um, him and I have personality conflicts sometimes. But that's because he's the world champ. Sometimes I don't agree with some of the decisions he makes in the ring. But other than that, yeah, Aldous and, and, and and James have got those two beat hands down.
0: Fill in the blank. Vince McMahon
3: is. Man, I got to be tactful with that. Like you can't drop (laughs) a bomb on a guy and and be like, oh, just one word. (laughs) I'm going to throw a political. He's dedicated. Man, here's the deal, man. Everybody hears like everybody hears the stories on how eccentric he is. And he is. There's those. A lot of those stories are true i'll tell you a quick story you guys have probably heard about it but we'll go ahead and rehash it here Cade and i doing great all of a sudden we're not on tv we're just they're not putting us on tv are we're, we're coming to raw on mondays and sitting and we're getting paid which is great but but we know that even though we're getting paid if you're not on tv you're not you're not going to get bigger checks you're not going to get over this goes on for like five five six weeks and we're giving ideas to the riders, and every week they're just like, nope, 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 nope. And we finally track down one of the riders, the head rider, Ed. Ed. Like, what the hell's going on? Who keeps shooting our ideas down? they are like, Vince. Okay, well, at least we know who, who do we need to go talk to now. So Lance and I go track down Vince in the catering room. And he's one of the few times he's by himself, and Lance and I sit on either side of him. And we, we just shoot him straight. Hey, listen, sorry to interrupt your meal, but we hear there's something you don't like about us because we're throwing ideas at you and you keep shutting us down. And he goes, well, to be honest with you guys, he looked at Lance, he goes, I, I hate your fake black hair. And he looks at me and he goes, I don't like your pasty white skin. And we go, okay. That next fucking day, my partner who had black hair has bleached blonde fried fucking hair because that's <laughs> what the boss wanted. And the next day, I'm fucking spray tan to the hilt, looking like I have just come out of the oven. Like I'm tan, and you know it's from a can. Thought I mean, God damn, he didn't put us on TV that next week. <laughs> and it's, you're just going, what the fuck? You know what I mean? It's shit like that. Like. That that makes you wonder, like, man, what a fucking weirdo! Like, you could have just told us. Like, there were we could have saved six weeks of you paying me not to do sit around do nothing, <laughs> and I'd have fucking tanned, and he'd have changed his hair, and we could have went back to business. <laughs> um, but we're also talking about a guy who is as a, a millionaire upon millionaire upon millionaire. Talking about a guy who hasn't bought his own groceries in twenty years, probably hasn't washed his own clothes. In 20 years um he lives in a bubble that we do not know like we we don't know of we we, we can't live in that life you know what i mean we, we can't financially in nobody on this tv screen right now can experience his life because he is so sheltered around yes men and people that are yes or that work for him that they all do whatever he wants there is no real interaction. And so I, I imagine after twenty years, I'll make you a little bit of a fucking Looney Tune too, and not be a, you know a little a little out of touch <laughs> with society. Yep, you know. So I, I, I didn't you know all that shit. I didn't turn down his paychecks. <laughs> no. So you just, just everybody, everybody works their ass off to get there. And then they had to deal with the bullshit of the wizard to continue to be a part of it, you know? And I lasted four years, man. And um, I'll be honest with you, like I hear a lot of people, you know, they made comments throughout the years, man, you ever wanna go back? Yeah, love to see you back. No, I never want to go back there. I never want that stress. I never wanna be put in that uncomfortable situation because a lot of those guys don't feel valued And that kills confidence and if a wrestler ain't got confidence boys he's fucking downhill from there you know um again i'm in the right place at the right time with the right company i i have found the last piece to my puzzle and again the picture's clear i'm an nwa
0: guy last random one you've traveled all over the world ate some of the best places I know you're a Kansas City guy outside of Kansas City and St. Louis. Which city in America has the best barbecue? Memphis or Austin? Mm.
3: Repeat the, my two options.
0: Uh, Memphis or Austin, Texas. Oh, Memphis.
3: Memphis. Come on, man. Come on. Why are you even like that's heat right there, man? Everybody knows. You know. Well, you man, go to Memphis, you're getting you're getting some of the best barbecue. Uh, back on the attack, uh, and, will, and I'll even put Memphis. I'll put Memphis over on KC. Like oh, that's no. Memphis has got some BBQ. They
0: do. Mm-hmm. Back on the attack coming up. Fight TV, twenty bucks. If you guys are listening, watching, do yourself a favor. Check it out. Trevor, thanks a, a lot for coming on. Um, how can fans stay up to date? Where can they find you on social media? Do you have any anything else coming up? Any appearances other than the pay per view and of course power that's coming back
3: well no right now the only thing i've got booked is is the pay-per-view and and the power episodes coming up. we need to um, i'm gonna have a big meeting with uh the nwa (laughs) officials and billy um it'll be the first time we've all really been together since i've won the world have you know the world national title world nwa national title um so there needs to be some discussion going on there about what's going to happen moving forward um you guys can catch me on you know at at the real team at at the real team Murdoch on Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, you know, I'm on Facebook, man. So I, I'm not a big social media guy. Those are, those are my three go-tos. And to be honest with you, I don't, I will, I will respond to you as a fan. I do check that stuff, and then I do my best to try to respond to you. But other than that, unless I'm posting a pic about a wrestler or my wife and kids, uh, that, that I don't put too much else on there, boys. There's, there's not too much else I'm really proud of, but those three things right there.
0: All right, guys. Again, thank you for, for coming on and, and just talking with us tonight. I know yeah. things are crazy right now, but – uh, well,
3: I do want to give the props. I do want to
0: give props now.
3: If you guys want to thank anybody, you need to thank Mr. Steve Espinosa for yeah. setting this up, contacting me, bringing, bringing Team Murdoch to the show, boys. Hey. So he needs the
0: room. Hey. You, know, you mentioned uh, yeah, very yeah, few yeah. of us live out of that bubble like Vince. I think Steven's
1: pretty close <laughs> to it. You
0: know, he's got bodyguards and he lives in a mansion. Well,
1: you know, my bodyguard, if this is who you want to call a bodyguard, I don't know, uh, I don't know about bodyguards. The joke is yeah, we're not even – Jericho sure had a bodyguard
3: room. just like him. When...
1: Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, no, man, no, uh, Trevor, uh, I, 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 I want to thank you for coming on. It means a lot to me. Uh, uh, I know it means a lot to to the guys, um, man. Thanks for taking some time out of your your busy day, your busy schedule to to come hang out with us and just basically talk wrestling. You know, or earlier when you were when you were talking about uh, uh, you know breaking into the business and whatnot, I I didn't stop you, but I can remember going down to the oh it was the county fair here. And Harley had put on a show, and you came out. It, it, of course, it's Trevor Rhodes with the bleach blonde hair. And I remember, you know, uh, just 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 watching you going, God, man, you you made it so believable. You made it. You made you made people like myself think like, damn, I could get in here and do this, man. And you know, for uh, for 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 being that guy, I want to thank you. And I know these guys are are you know grateful for you coming on here and and spending some time. So. Thank you very much, Trevor. I appreciate it, man.
3: Thank you, brother, and thank you guys for having me. Uh, Steve, you know I love
1: you, man. We go way back. And you
3: know I'll be seeing you soon. Oh, uh, yeah. But thank you guys for having me on the program. I had a lot of fun tonight, and uh, I continue. I, I wish you guys continued success with the Slop
0: Drop. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. Uh, that about wraps it up. Follow us on Facebook at the Slop Drop on Twitter at the Slop Drop One. Wherever you get your podcast, we are there. Leave us a good rating, good review, all that good stuff. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Either way, as always, thank you for listening. Till next time, we're out of here.
2: Goodbye and good night.